Pairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And it's the Friday Vine Pair podcast. We're talking summer drinks or the drink of the summer. So here's an interesting thing. We put a poll out to the staff on Slack mm-hmm. asking what they thought the drink of the summer would be. Choices range from hard seltzer again, specific brands of hard seltzer. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, the Aperol Spritz, the Espresso Martini, which was actually the drink of the summer last summer, which is crazy. Hard Mountain Dew. I mean, how, Hard Mountain Dew. Yes, which mm-hmm. we, I think I, we all ruled that one out a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Frozen Grasshopper, which Tim is a big proponent of. Uh, and then also Canned Wine. Canned Wine actually got the most votes amongst the staff. Which I thought was really interesting that you know people think that it's going to become even more prevalent than it already is. Uh, New York Times also, which I think is so fucking bullshit, but they never are right on any of their predictions, said they think it's going to be the spiked Shirley, dirty Shirley, which it's called yeah the dirty Shirley. Mm-hmm. I just think that's dumb. <laughs> I'm not. I think they're trying to be hit. Spiked, I'm not going to drink a spiked Shirley Temple. Like I'm not doing it. I'm not drinking Sprite grenadine and vodka <laughs> and if you do i'm gonna look at you and be like oh oh hi how are you, do you want are to they to was the new york school? times looking for the drink of summer for 17 year olds like i'm unconfused <laughs> I, they, they're like they're acting like oh it's all the rage in new york i've not seen it once to be clear not once so i don't think you're i that. don't know who accepts these i think the person who runs the dining section of the new york times doesn't like alcohol because <laughs> the things the pitches they accept is just there are just like really what who convinced you of this? Mm. Anyways, oh, so right. def- wait, wait, wait for our Dirty Shirley feature on Time Care. It's coming. <laughs> the Dirty Shirley, uh, you know, it's going to be the Dirty Shirley. No, Adam was wrong. But uh, <laughs> anyways, so curious about this, though, because, you know, every summer has a summer song, has a destination, and it definitely has a drink. So mm-hmm. what drink do you both think will be the drink of the summer? Well, I'm sorry. Do you mean like a, a like a cocktail, like a specific drink, or can it be it's, like a? It's category like the drink, drink everyone's talking about. You see it everywhere, right? So four or five years ago, it was the Aperol Spritz. It was right, everywhere. Right. It was on all these menus. Everyone was ordering it. it. Kind of just came out of the blue and happened. A little bit before that, it was rosé, right? Everyone was mm-hmm. drinking rosé. It was all about summer. The summer of rosé. Everyone said, you know, before, after the Aperol Spritz, you know, you you sort of saw this transition I mean, into what we call it. It was 100 percent white claw. Well, yeah, there's White Claw, then it was COVID. And so then COVID yeah. was the drink of two summers. And then last summer, as we came out of COVID, uh, you had the espresso martini, which really has saw mm-hmm. its its explosion in summer and then really catapulted throughout this, this entire year. Um, but I think what's interesting is it can be anything, right? The, the drink of the summer really tends to go across all areas of alcohol. Sometimes it's a spirit. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, it's always a cocktail, right? I don't think you're mm-hmm. going to say, during the summer, tequila. Like, I don't think it's just a bunch of people shooting tequila this summer. But it could be a tequila-based cocktail. Or mm-hmm. could be, sometimes, it's, often it's also a cocktail, besides the Aperol Spritz, that can have multiple, uh, what do I want to say, like multiple uh, different base liquids in it right so mm-hmm. as we've learned from the cocktail college espresso martini episode right not everyone uses vodka because they're based some people use tequila apparently that's the move amongst gen z other people use cognac amaro etc right so it's, it's like it's a cocktail in name and in somewhat flavor profile but there's a lot of different variations of it mm-hmm. or it can be wine it could be a beer it could be a malt beverage it could be one brand right i think zach throwing out white claw it's very true right it wasn't hard seltzer it was white claw that summer right, right? everyone's yeah. drinking white claw and there weren't no laws so i think it's interesting and i'm curious what 
you know, as we're moving into mid-May, either of you might have for a prediction. Well, I have a few thoughts. I mean, I think we've seen this thing with the martini coming back, but I think it can't possibly be a summer drink, right? Like that is just ludicrous for a martini to be a summer drink. It's just like gaining popularity. Oh, 100% agree. Right? Like it's everywhere and variations on a martini are everywhere. But I do think that – I was one of the people who said canned wine would be the drink of the summer just because I think after the past two years, the the convenience and the portability of it when everyone's out – will be very good. Um, But I also think that tequila-based seltzer drinks will be very popular. Interesting. So you think it's tequila-based seltzer? I do. I mean, we've seen this explosion in tequila. People love it. Young people love it. And I feel like the young people are the ones who are really deciding what there's one brand yet? I don't know. I, I can't think of many more than the Onda. There's two chicks, which I know has a tequila based Okay. seltzer. I don't know if it's I don't know if they only have tequila based, and they might also have vodka, but I've definitely seen that they do tequila based. But yeah, the only one that I really know is Onda. I don't know, they're good. I just don't know does does Onda have like like the distribution yet? I, don't I think know. what allowed for White Claw was that it was everywhere. It was like ready to go, right? And right. so it was it was just so easy to find that when all the memes started happening and you know the comedy posts and everyone was screaming, "Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws." Everyone was able to grab it. I think that was also the beauty of the Aperol Spritz. Like everyone, it was already there and ready to go. So it wasn't like bars having to say, "Oh shit, now I have to find this." Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. Like that. That's why I'm I'm hard to say it's going to be a specific brand yet because like I haven't seen one tequila based hard seltzer that we're really getting pitched a lot. True, but I feel like a lot of the big brands are launching them. True. Like maybe it's so maybe it's a ranch water. That makes a ton of sense. Yep. So my prediction is in this vein, but it's also maybe a little bit more specific because it's a flavor, a specific flavor of this kind of drink. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think this is going to be the summer of watermelon and tequila. And I think that's either a watermelon margarita or a lot of these tequila-based seltzers, their watermelon flavor. And I think we've like, we talked a lot about fruit and, and it being a big thing uh, in 2020 and you know possibly being a big thing with uh summer of 2020 and drinks and i think we talked a lot about blackberry in particular and that kind of didn't really happen for a variety of reasons and obviously predicting what was going to happen in 2020 was uh, a fool's errand in a lot of ways um but i really just think like if you think about the kind of combination of of flavor kind of trajectories we're on right now where you see a lot of interest in lemonade and watermelon can pair well there you see a lot of interest in in ranch water and tequila based seltzers and also of course in margaritas still again watermelon plays really really well in that category Mm -hmm. and it's like a, a such a distinctive and sort of fun and very kind of evocative flavor profile for people um, and whether you're getting it with actual watermelon juice or whether you're getting it, you know, with our, with sort of quote unquote natural flavors. Um, I just, that's my, that's, that's where I think we're going. I like it. I like it. So I think it's going to be, so, I mean, I have two predictions, but I'll give you my first one because <laughs> I think it's, it's the more right one. I think we're going to see a return to basically so, okay, here's here's we're going to see a return to like the world of Bacardi Breezers and sort of Smirnoff Ice. Mike's Hard. And Mike's Hard. Okay. I think it's going to be the summer of very aggressively flavored malt beverages 
which is why I do think Hard Hard Mountain Dew will play in there Mm -hmm. because there is going to be, we're seeing this return to the early 2000s. Yeah. And if you, like that's all what the sort of the spring and summer lines in fashion were this last year uh, when they were debuting what was going to come out. And that's what they're all sort of, you know, using for inspiration. And that was all really, really big then. And if you're saying that the youngest generation drives the drink trends, right, of, of drinking age or like that young to middle generation, Mm -hmm. those were drinks that they saw, but they were definitely not of drinking age, right? They were, that's like when they were kind of six, seven, maybe, (laughs) right? So they are now going to be interested in those drinks in their mid to late twenties and it feels fun to be drinking them. And I do think there is going to be a lot of that on the market. These much more like it's going to be the summer of flavored malt beverage. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one that I just always think is going to happen, but I've been wrong now twice is <clears throat> I do think it's going to be also potentially the summer of the Cosmo, but <laughs> I've thought that for two summers and it was big during that time as well. And I don't think that it's going to happen. You know, I keep saying it's going to happen and it doesn't. So I'm really, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting all my money. If I was betting on a bottle of really nice wine with Zach, I would bet on it being flavored. Malt beverages. <laughs> I just, oh, I'm not, this is not an area I'm comfortable betting sports. That's a whole bet. sweeping category. No, but I think what I mean is like the the very sweet, the one, old like, the school. Ridic- like, okay. like the ridiculous ones. Yeah, okay. Like Bacardi Breezers was insane. It was like really aggressive flavors. It they were very sweet. They were syrupy. Like I think that's where we're going. That's what the Mountain Dew was. It's you know I think that is what people are going to want this summer because they're looking for these things that remind them of like childhood, etc. Middle like the suburbs. Yeah. Right, we've they're like drinking the them ironically. Right, drinking them ironically, like oh, I I, I can't wait to go to Chili's and have a, a limerita. Mm-hmm. Like I really think that that is going to come back hard this summer, especially if you look at the trends in dining. Right, all like some yeah. of the trendiest restaurants, especially in New York and L.A., are all these sort of restaurants that are playing to restaurants from the suburbs. Right, they're they're mimicking TGI Fridays. Mm-hmm. They're you know they're mimicking you know, the Bloomin' Onion and shit like that. So I think those types of things are going to then fall into this sort of, you know, banana-rama type stuff. I mean, look, maybe it's the summer that Bowles liqueurs come back, right? All, all those really neon-looking liqueurs where you could have, like, a blue Hawaii and stuff. But having a Midori sour. Midori like sour, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I really think that it it, it all, all the signs point there in terms of what else is happening in the culture and you see these uh, these brands releasing these, these liquids so i mean the brand that probably could be the most set up to really have a huge windfall is smirnoff ice because it's still there <laughs> like it never went away it never like, went I, don't, away, yeah. I, I don't think i've seen a bacardi breezer in a long time but you know some of these other brands that were really really ubiquitous in the early 2000s right especially right around the turn of the uh, the century are still here, including Smirnoff Ice. And Mike's so, Hard, too, never went away. And Mike's Hard, right? Dude, and Mike's Hard, come on, man. If it's Mike's Hard, you all have to say, like, man, Mark Anthony Group just had another fucking hit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, they have that marketing decades Mike. Yeah. ago. Yeah, I, I really, it just seems to me to be something that is just ready to ready to pop off again. And again, it'll be most things that are drinks, like, I want to be clear, besides White Claw, you don't really always want to be a drink of the summer, right? Because you're 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 a hit in the you're a flash in the pan. A lot of like, if you think about like songs of summer, a lot of those bands are one hit wonders, 
you know, yes, there are some people that are able to create the, the song of the summer and they want, and they're some of the most famous artists and they have lots and lots and lots of other hits, but a lot of them are one hit wonders, mm-hmm. right? Or they're, uh, I don't know if this is an area <laughs> where your music analogies carry over. Cause like, you know, what still sells a shitload Rose, you know, what still sells a shitload Aperol. Like those drinks did not go anywhere. They were incredibly helped by their summer or summer. Uh, I think you're totally wrong. I mean, you could, you could say Rose, but <clears throat> the Rose sales, of course, doing well, but it's a category. But especially when talking about specific cocktails, you're wrong. I mean, the Aperol sales are actually going down. Aperol as an aperitif, people are looking for different kinds of aperitifs. Now, yes, expand the the aperitif category, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Aperol spritz. You're seeing a lot of different spritzes now. But again, I'm saying the Aperol spritz. The Aperol spritz in terms of its ubiquity on cocktail menus is not there like it used to be. If you look at the espresso martini, it will have its time and then it will go away. But I think there's a I think there's a mistake here in saying that. Just because it's not at the high watermark that it was at its absolute peak, I don't think – I think Aperol sales in 2022 compared to 2012 are pretty markedly up. Yeah, but I mean Smirnoff Ice sales are still high from where they were in the early 2000s. You know, they they had a pop and then there are people who still drink Smirnoff Ice. That doesn't mean that it's culturally relevant anymore. And a lot of the bands that were one-hit wonders, there are people that still listen to those bands and would argue with me and say, oh, like they actually had multiple hits. I went to all their concerts. Like I love Blues Traveler, but like (laughs) Blues Traveler really had one hit, maybe two. And, and, you know, those are that is just the truth. But there are people that will, yes, still book Blues Traveler, still go to Blues Traveler concerts. So like – you know, yeah, I mean, John, like those bands is probably still Blake, making a living up. doing singing run around like, come on, he's not he might not be, you know, all over MTV anymore, but no one is. No, there's a lot of people on MTV still. <laughs> they're just they're just artists that are relevant to today's generation. Like, that's what I'm saying. So it'll these drinks will stay relevant. But drinks that everyone's talking about, that's what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. it's well, sure. But there's not gonna, drinks, but no drink is going to stay the drink that everyone talks about forever. Like, that's what, why we talk about trends, like saying that just because they're no longer trendy. Bordeaux has Burgundy, Burgundy and Bordeaux were way out of fashion for decades, Adam. Like nothing is trendy all the time. I think you're totally wrong, but that's cool. I mean, it's it's fine. Like you you can disagree with me here, but I, I, I definitely do. don't think that <laughs> I definitely don't think that that's correct. I definitely okay. don't. I mean, I think that there's lots of different trends that come and go. And then there are some certain, you know, wines, certain styles of beer, certain styles of of liquid that have staying power. I think there's certain cocktails. Yeah, but you would that never describe power. any of those. You wouldn't. No one would say that Grand Cru Burgundy was the drink of the summer. Like what the fuck? No, because because I'm not because Zach. As I'm saying, you don't want to always be the drink of the summer. <laughs> like they are, they're the drink of all the time. You'd rather be the drink of the summer than never be the drink of anything. If your option is to be completely ignored forever, like, you know, I I don't know. I think it's better to have a pop if you're something that's as niche potentially as some of these drinks we're talking about. Again, we're not talking about wines that have literally been celebrated for centuries. Like, that's just not a fair comparison here. I do think that drinks of the summer do benefit from that over the long term, right? Like, there are still some people who think, the Aperol Spritz is the drink of the summer. Yeah, totally. It's never they're, not the drink just... of the summer for them. And if nothing else, you can have your retro moment 20 years down the road. Like, th- if you're never the drink of the summer, no one is going to quasi-ironically drink you in right. 20 years. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. So you can come back, but you don't always want to be the drink of the summer now if your goal is long-term sales for, like, the next decade because you'll have a pop and then you'll have to hope that pop comes back. I mean, that's what's happened to lots of these brands. It's, it doesn't mean that it's not a great thing for you in the short term and potentially in the long run, but it does mean that, yes, you you are not going to be guaranteed that you are the biggest thing for the next five or six summers. You are the thing that everyone talks about right now. I mean, that's how trends work. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, then I'm not really sure what you're. Then I guess maybe we're just disagreeing, but not really because I don't really. I, I guess my point is, I, I think you're right that there is a there is inherent risk if you are one of these brands or one of these categories. I guess if they can be sort of uh, grouped together in thinking that your high watermark is the new normal. Um, yes. you, shouldn't, you shouldn't play plan that way. But again, I think that even if the water level recedes, it's going to recede to a level that was higher than it was at before you had your moment. Again, you know, the rosé sales in this country have greatly, greatly grown over the last 15 years. And even if they're no longer at their absolute apex, and I'm not even sure of that, they're certainly not going back to where they were in the early 2000s. Like that genie is out of the bottle. Right, everything's pink and now there's a lot of garbage on the market. But what, what, what I'm saying is in terms of trends, the you know if you look at the one place where we put the most emphasis on it being really important and the thing that is the most the biggest flash in the pan in our culture is everything that happens in the summer that's sure. all i'm saying mm. right yep. so trends where like you're the drink around thanksgiving a lot of those drinks have continued to be those drinks for gener- for years and years and years because they're trends that kind of have this weird staying power champagne is the is the drink of holidays whatever right like the of the winter it always is no one's going to predict that trend there's something about the summer and what happens in fashion in music in art and in drinks where it is a it can be a boom time for ah. you as a brand but it doesn't mean that you have staying power throughout the rest of the year mm-hmm. and it also doesn't mean that you won't be unseated the next summer that's what i'm saying totally agree that's summer trends are far more fickle than yes. any other i agree with that 100 mm-hmm. all right let's drink something i need a drink after all that <laughs> So with that, why don't we try one of the drinks that everyone is saying will be the drink of this summer, which is another seltzer, but it's a different seltzer. It's actually been around for as long as White Claw has, but everyone thinks it's going to have its moment. Well, a lot of people, not everyone, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people think it's going to have its moment this summer, including a, a, a large portion of our staff, and that's High Noon. Have you guys ever had High Noon? Nope. I have, yep. Okay, I think High Noon, not being paid to say this, I think High Noon is one of the better, if not the best hard seltzer on the market now, Mm -hmm. especially in terms of flavor. I've only had one of them, though. I've only ever had the grapefruit, so we'll see because we're going to try all of them. Uh, I opened my side where pineapples first. Mm -hmm. Okay, is that where you want to start? Okay, I guess we start. I mean, well, unless we start with watermelon. I've I've only ever had grapefruit, so I guess let's start with pineapple. Okay. I think High Noon is so so good and so interesting, though, because it's it's vodka soda, right? Like it's made with vodka, and you have to get it at like a liquor store. Versus like White Claw, which is malt-based. I mean, immediately when you pop the pineapple, I smell pineapple. Like, and it smells like, yeah, it smells like Dole canned pineapple. Yeah, but that's the best. But that's the best. (laughs) (laughs) So these are made with actual fruit juice, correct? Yes. Yes. And and vodka. Yep. Yes. And sparkling water. So I want to, I want to, my only qualm in... And saying that this could be the drink of the summer is that it's hard for me to believe it will be the drink of the summer in Washington State because do you want to know how much I paid for my eight pack of how high much? noon? Thirty two dollars. <laughs> yeah, mine was twenty nine. Yeah, I guess really they're, they're yeah. very expensive. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, because I think it was. I mean, here we have crazy liquor taxes, and because it's made with vodka, apparently, you know, mm-hmm. they I paid the, the you know sort of the shelf price is seventeen dollars, and then it was another ten dollars in taxes, uh, straight liquor taxes, and then sales tax on top of that. I was like, I, these are $4 a can. I'm not sure I can get with that. I got to say, though, like, th- I've never had the pineapple. This is pretty good. Yeah, it's good. What do you think, Zach? I agree. I think, again, given the aforementioned issue, would I be perhaps inclined to 
buy another pineapple flavored seltzer that's non-alcoholic and put vodka in it, maybe for home consumption. But obviously <laughs> the can is a, you know, a little handier in certain locations. It certainly tastes good. Like I, I was thinking back on our horrific experience with cacti oh, um, yeah. and like just how truly foul that pineapple flavored seltzer was so this is a you know like night and day Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i do look i do think that there is something to what happens to these flavors especially when you're trying to achieve real fruit flavor when it's not malt based Mm -hmm. you know it it's it tastes a lot cleaner yeah it just does you know i'm not getting like that aspartame like aftertaste which i think is what makes it more delicious okay to the grapefruit well and i think the other piece of it is also that you have not a low, not a high calorie count here, but they're a little bit higher than some of the others. And that, again, just gives you a little bit of that buffer that, you know, they have actual sugar in them. And yeah, I agree. They don't have that sort of gross, just mm. pure chemical taste. Hmm. I like this one too, but I like the grapefruit. Yeah, it's also yeah. very good. I yeah. don't know. Coming back to the price thing, though, I think about like a can of wine. It's like five bucks or you yeah. get an Aperol spritz and that's like, what, $12, $15? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it's like who's drinking this and what what's the occasion, and yeah. I think that uh, people assume this will be cheaper because you can get white cloth for much cheaper. Yeah, but they're very different. They're very different. Well, and I think the other thing to note is that these are also like a you know a twelve ounce can instead of a sixteen ounce. Like I think there's definitely a category of seltzer drinker who are just gonna like shy away from the cost here and be like, I don't. Yeah, it, it's not it's not enough better to me, or I'm just used to drinking malt based uh, seltzers and I don't really care. Um, but for for people who might want something in this sort of style, but but will be willing to pay for a little higher uh, quality, yeah, I think there's definitely a, obviously there is a market for these. Although I will I will note too that you're right that like they are harder to find in states where it's hard to get liquor in grocery stores because mm-hmm. you have to go to a, a liquor store to get them. Yeah, I like the watermelon a lot. You're so far ahead of us, Adam. Slow down. <laughs> Well, while you guys are talking, I'm drinking. I need to, you know, I had to drink a little after that last argument. I just felt like I had to like calm myself down. <laughs> so I moved through. Uh, I'm not to black cherry yet. Don't worry. I think the watermelon's really good, though. Mm. Flavor of the summer, baby. It's not my favorite. You, like watermelon's not your favorite, or no? I do flavor? like watermelon, but I feel like watermelon flavor is hard to achieve, hard. right? Because like you think of watermelon, and I feel like it, unless it's a very sweet one. It's like kind of green tasting. Interesting. Yeah, like, this has a lot of like watermelon rind character, which I actually really like. Yeah. Like pickled watermelon rind is like a thing I really enjoy eating. But um, yeah, this is definitely not like – it's not like a bubblegummy, like super sweet watermelon flavor. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. It's like, yeah, I think when you do, do – a lot of times when you do watermelon, you get that Jolly Rancher flavor. That like – yeah, this this doesn't have it. it. It has it a little bit. I For me, it has it a little bit, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's – but yeah, I don't think because you know it's very rare that even in the world we eat really, really ripe watermelon. And then when it is ripe and sweet, it's a different taste than what sweet confectionery watermelon tastes like. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's like banana flavor, right? Is completely different from a banana. Oh, banana flavor! It's so good. <laughs> I just wish I could find watermelons that had seeds in them still. Oh, I'm fine with the no seeds. Yeah, why? Oh, but they don't taste as good. <laughs> mm. The seeds not? taste way worse. Because the seed, I guess that's true. Well, just like, like in breeding them to be seedless, that you have to, they have bred for that, and, and at the expense of the quality of the actual taste of the fruit. It doesn't surprise me at all nuts, that you have thoughts about watermelon, Zach. I have like, <laughs> will it surprise you to know that I have thoughts about lots of other fruits as well? <laughs> I, that's a different podcast. <laughs> 
on the next watermelon podcast. <laughs> um, it's definitely uh, fruit. Facts I love that. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about like the difference between seedless and tea dash. Like, I guess that's what it tastes like now. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Black cherry. Plant breeding has brought us many things, including like the, like fact that Brussels sprouts are way, way better than they used to be. But, uh, watermelon has gotten worse in my opinion. Wait, so Brussels sprouts have been changed. Yeah. They, they, that some, I think they're Dutch, uh, plant breeders discovered a way to, um, breed out the like so when you know like the the rumor or the thing about the reason people always hated brussels sprouts is they always had a really sulfurous smell when you cooked them um especially if you boiled them but even if you didn't and they actually like were able to breed uh variants of brussels sprouts that taste much better and those are like ubiquitous now so like the sort of like gross cabbagey sulfury brussels sprouts that many of us experienced as kids uh are like they're no more Hmm. what do you guys think of black cherry it's my least favorite, and I, I like really black like cherry it. a lot. It's not for me. I see. I don't. I, I guess I also I'm never. Well, you know, I like black cherry like um, soda. Mm. Yeah, me too. I don't really like this though. I think it's okay. I would drink it. It wouldn't be my first pick of this. I'd pack. trade it. I'd trade it in the pack. Trade it. <laughs> trade it in the pack. But that's, I think that's what that's what the variety pack is good for, right? You trade the pack. Yeah. What would your first pick be, Adam? I actually think I'd stay that I'd stay at the, my side of the pack, which is the pack side that I o- open out of either. Probably pineapple. Actually, I really liked pineapple. I really, mm-hmm. I really liked pineapple. I was a big Spindrift grapefruit person. I think that's why mm-hmm. I tried the high noon grapefruit and was like, "Yeah, this is good. It tastes like Spindrift grapefruit." But I'd never had the pineapple. Now I think I'd go for pineapple. It also feels very beachy to me. Yeah, I agree that those two are the best. And I think pineapple, if it were actually like the middle of summer, I w- might opt for. It, but it's like fifty degrees and raining in Seattle right now, so the grapefruit no is kind of hitting me, hitting me where I'm at. <laughs> They're both quite good, though, mm-hmm. and I would encourage people to try them. They're, I mean, they're you know, one of the better performers on the show so far. I still don't That's think true. it's going to be the drink of the summer. Yes. And I think, again, it's it's also – at this point, I feel like it's all too, it's too, almost too ubiquitous. Like, I think Heineken's doing quite fine. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think they'd probably much rather be just consumed all the time. I don't know if right. it's going to be, like, the summer when everyone, like, discovers it. Well, they, they are called sun sips, right? Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Tell us what you think the drink of the summer will be. Yeah, please. Email us. Podcast at vinepair.com. Let us know what drink you think will be the drink of the summer. Tweet at Adam. He loves that. Yes, and then oh, you I'm can have a Twitter, bet with so Adam. You can tweet at me, but I, I never respond because I'm not on Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like an old avatar and like my my handle and like I got it when Twitter first started and I tweeted a little bit then, you know, back in my music days and now. Yeah, we should bet your homeboy Elon Musk owns it. Are you sure you're not going to get back on? He's not my homeboy. I know. I'm just <laughs> we're, we're we're I'm a few I'm a few high noons in. I'm a little I'm a little feisty. We're we're just it's Friday. What do you want? It's mm-hmm. Friday. Um, well, you guys have wonderful weekends. Um, and I'll see you back here on Monday. See you Monday. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcast. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair's tasting director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making the show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.